I want to thank everyone for joining us today. All right, that's a little better. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. If I were to ask you what is today, how many of you guys could actually tell me what today is? It's Sunday. It's Sunday. That's that's always a good idea. It's Sunday. 5th of February. All right, I may have to ask one of the guys for this. What is today, guys? The Super Bowl. I know, the crowd full of women are like, we don't care. <laughs> All-star gay of NBA, so it's just the wrong sport. Well, we're getting ready to get into a new month, and our theme for this month is love and unity. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians. Um, you'll look up there, and you'll see that Ephesians 4, 5 through 16 is up there. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love, love and unity. We're to build ourselves together, to come together in unity and build ourselves up in love. Now we're going to break down Ephesians 1 through 16 today. Just to kind of give us an idea that we are all parts of one body, one body that is called to work together in unity, that is called to work together in love. But I found this article, Business News Daily, Super Bowl Psychology, What Winning Teams Do Right. And it says, you know, it's no luck that the I don't even know who's playing. Who's playing today, guys? Anyone? Oh, the Patriots and the Falcons. Well, it's no luck, it says, that those people are who are playing in the Super Bowl. It took months, if not years, of hard work, team building, and constant preparation, right? And they'll take the field this Sunday. Those qualities are going to be what's once again on display in order for someone to be named the Super Bowl champion. In the regular world, in this case in the business, a boardroom, but in our world, just regular life, seems a lot different than a Super Bowl, there are some things that we can apply. Now this said, it's important to start with people. People who work together will win, whether it be against complex football defenses or problems of modern society. And then you build your team. The way a team plays as a whole determines its success. Wait, didn't we just read something about how a body needs to work together? Right? The way a team plays as a whole determines its success. You may have the greatest bunch of individual stars in the world, but if you don't play together, then the club won't be worth a dime. And do you know who said that? Babe Ruth. Who some 
I mean, you say, hey, he was a great baseball player, right? But he said, hey, it's not about that. It's not about a team full of individual stars. It's about a team that can work together. And then finally, have a plan. Know what you're to do. And so that was their way of how football success of a winning team can go together. But I want us to break down Ephesians. And there's some things that we can apply. Some things we can do. We need to know what we're doing, right? What we need to get started. It also matters who's on the team, who's in the body. Because the body is made up of many different parts, all of them working together, though. Not everyone's going to be a left hand. I mean, could you imagine if everyone was a left hand and a left foot, where would you go? What would you get done? And then it's how well all of those many parts work together as a team, right? So look with me at Ephesians chapter 1, or chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4. starting with verse 1. Now, I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase, just so that it would sound a little different for you guys. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is persistent and present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed the high mountain, he captured the enemy and seized the booty. He handed it out all gifts to the people. It is not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of the earth. 
And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to the highest heavens. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient in grace and responsible to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods. Small children are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy and God, robust in love. We are all parts of one body. Made to work. Now, it said those, in order to be a winning team, you had to do a couple of things, right? Well, in order for us to succeed, there are a couple of steps we have to do. Now, some of these are attitudes. Adjustments. Goes back to what Babe Ruth said, right? If anybody had any right to say, you know what, it's about the individual stars, it could be a star, right? But instead, he said, it's not about those individual stars. Having a team full of individual stars is worthless because sometimes they won't work together. And sometimes in the earth, in the world, in the day-to-day lives, we may face situations, people deal with things where they may think they are better than us, right? And they kind of lord it over us. And we don't want to work with people like that. And so things fall apart, right? But we are no better than the next, and there are some things we need to remember some things to keep in mind. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, right? Have a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's littleness. In the grand scheme of things, we may be a finger for the hand of the Lord. But how many fingers do you have on one hand? So if you're just a finger, have you ever tried to do something with just one finger? How hard is it sometimes? Can you turn a handle to get into somewhere? Can you close the door behind you? Can you hold a pen? If we represent that one finger 
then in doing a job, we can be ineffective. But we have five, don't we? How blessed are we to be able to come alongside each other and to work together as a team. Could you imagine what it would be like in your brain if you couldn't control all five fingers at once, but only one at a time? What if your finger decided to say, you know, I am the most important? Opposable thumbs, right? It's what sets us apart from a lot of other animals. It's considered a key trait. What if our thumb decided that it didn't do, have to do whatever we asked it to do? It could do whatever it wanted because you know it's the best finger on our hand. Where would we be? Remember our sense of littleness, modesty, humility. Humility is going to be necessary for us in order to properly value others among us. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. It says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't do anything because you think people are going to recognize it, but instead do it putting others before you. Because how crazy would it be if the thumb decided it should be a head? I mean, what good would it do? Does a thumb have eyes? Does a thumb have a mouth? A nose to breathe? A brain? Yeah. We need to... Humility and loneliness in spirit is going to be essential in knowing and accepting and being happy to what we are called to do in our lives and in doing it the best we can. Gentleness. Now, when people think gentle, sometimes they think weak, right? If someone describes a soap or a washcloth or something as gentle, we may think the strength of it being weak. But we're not called to be weak as opposed to mild and meek. Now, how many of you guys like hot sauce on your food? Yeah? How many of you guys like it super hot? How many of you guys have ever been like, oh my gosh, that was too hot though, right? Me, I like to eat wings. I do. I love to eat boneless wings. Yep, I've got some people who feel me right there. Buffalo boneless wings are my fave, right? But every now and then I'll eat hot. 
But on an all the time, I need something that's a little mild. Just a little kick. Just enough to get my sinuses cleared and breathe, right? But not too much, because then I'm like, oh my goodness, where's the milk? And when we're working with other people, we may have people who have personalities, like hot sauce, right? Strong, over-dominant. You feel it for days, kind of, on your tongue, right? You're just like, what? Did I eat that? But we can enjoy the flavors and taste more when it's not super strong, right? Do you know Numbers describes Moses as a meek man? But if I were to ask you what you think about Moses, some people may remember when he comes down off the tower, finds the Israelites doing stupid things, and then what does he do to the Ten Commandments? He threw him on the ground because he was mad. He was having a hot sauce moment, right? But he's described as a meek man, capable of great strength and boldness. Jesus was considered meek and lowly in heart. Not that he was weak. In fact, if you ask them to remember a time Jesus was angry, People remember the time he goes into the temple and they're defiling by doing business in the house of the Lord and he turns tables over. It's like, "Uh uh-uh. Not in my father's house. And you know better. To be gentle, even when there's potential for being harsh, is one thing, but gentleness is more conductive for maintaining unity. Because you put hot sauce on a dish because it doesn't taste good by itself, right? You put a mild flavoring to complement some other seasonings already in place, right? To be mild, to be gentle, is to work together with things that are already there. Hot sauce is because it's just not enough by itself. And hot sauce overwhelms it, and that's all you taste, right? But when you put some mild seasonings on, it just makes it richer. It influences the taste that are already there says long-suffering, patience, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness in avenging wrongs. The body consists of members who are not perfect. Who's perfect here? Who's not perfect? The body consists of people who are not perfect and often sin against each other, Who has ever said something that they didn't mean to somebody else and hurt their feelings? Who realized it and was sorry they said it? Because we're not perfect, we do stupid things. We say stupid things. 
you know? But long-suffering, we are each called to put up with each other, to forgive. Maintaining unity is not possible unless we are willing to endure each other's imperfections. If you can't forgive somebody else's mistakes, why should they forgive yours? But if we don't forgive mistakes, how do we work together? How do we get along with one another? You know, we'll talk about this first later on in the month, but you got Corinthians. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Right? Part of unity comes down to loving each other. Bearing with one another in love, to sustain, to endure, Love suffers long, is not provoked, and indeed love is the virtue that ties all other virtues together. So, we know what we need to do. The attitude of a team is to be able to work together, right? To recognize that we're not individual stars. Because can you imagine how dark the night sky would be if only one star shone each night? But instead, the night sky is lit bright because there are so many stars that we can't even count and they all work together to bring us light. We are one body. This refers to the body of Christ, the church. It's the body of believers where Christ is the head and the Savior. And even though we may be one church and one body, we are just part of a larger body. There is only one universal church where Christ is the head. We may be a body of believers with our own body here, where we each take different parts. But we also make up a larger body, where we have our own parts to play. We are one spirit. The Holy Spirit. God strengthens us through that. And as one whose unity is to be restored, maintained in the bond of peace as Ephesians 4, 3 says the Holy Spirit, the spirit of promise, what Christ promised to us we are one of one spirit we know our hope of our calling the resurrection of the dead salvation, one Lord one head, right Jesus one faith the body of truth the faith that delivers us, the faith that we find in his word. One God and Father. The Father, who together with the Son and Holy Spirit makes up the Godhead. But the God, the Father of all, is there. And they are an essential part, the head of the team the head of the body.
But then there are gifts that are, can be assigned to individual team members, like parts to play. Who can tell me some different parts of a football team, right? You normally have the main person in charge. He's called the what? The quarterback. He's the one who decides what to do with the ball because he's the one who gets to throw it, right? Who else is on the team? Who else is on the field? Running back. What do they do? They catch or run the ball. Wide receivers. What do they do? Catch the ball. What about linebackers? What do they do? They run and block, right? Some people's job is to make sure the quarterback can what? Throw the ball. Because if he can't throw it, guess what happens? They can't get out on the field. And then you have kickers, right? Multiple parts of a football team. And if they call, can't pull their weight, or if one of them is weak, what happens? The team could lose. They need to have a good coach, yeah. He's important. He calls the shots, right? We have a coach who calls the shots. He's done giving us a playbook. Some of you guys already had it in your hand today, right? The Bible. We have a coach. He's done told us what to do. He talks to us daily. If we talk to him, we get answers, don't we? He sent us out with a game plan. What are we doing, though? The gifts that we can get come from God. We've been called, commissioned into specific things. If you had a team full of quarterbacks, what would happen? Nobody would catch the ball. There would just be a bunch of random footballs going on the field, right? Now, what if you had a team with no quarterbacks? What would happen? It couldn't function. Who's going to throw the ball? What if you had no linebackers? If their job is to block and protect, and you don't have any on your team, what happens? You're never going to go anywhere because you're always going to get sacked. <laughs> right? I'm like, I don't know much about football, but I kind of understood that's what their job was. I challenge you, watch the Super Bowl tonight. See those individual parts and what they do. And when someone falters and doesn't do their job, what happens? The other team scores, or the other team does something better. It's all about the team, right? It says, some are called to be apostles. Now that was easy. Those are the ones who had witnessed the resurrection. Their role in the church was foundational, necessary to the establishment of the church. Some are called to be prophets, inspired men and women who are used to help reveal God's word. Some are called to be evangelists. Their job is to go forth and be bearers of good news. Charged to share. Some are called to be pastors and teachers. The role of pastor 
requires feeding or teaching. The term faster is found only here in the scriptures, or not only here, but also in Acts and in 1 Peter. And it becomes clear that pastors, shepherds, elders, bishops, overseers are simply different terms describing spiritual leaders for local congregations. The nature of pastors and teachers is to oversee the feeding in the flock of God and follows the work of evangelists. Evangelists give the word. Pastors and teachers are to make sure that that word is sinking in, to build off of it, to grow it in their hearts. And these are to prepare us for service, to build up the members of the body, to grow in maturity. If you have one of those Bibles that has subtitles, Ephesians 4 is actually the unity and maturity in the body of Christ, right? We are called to be parts of the body of Christ, but we're called to be mature Christians. And when we are mature, then those steps, those attitudes, those characteristics that we're supposed to have to work together, to come together in unity and love, are going to be a little easier. So the question would be, where are you in your Christian walk? Are you ready for the NFL? The big time, the major leagues? Are you still stuck playing peewee? Football? Have you moved up from peewee and you're at high school? Collegiate? We are called to be mature Christians, ready for the big time. So where are we? What level are we at? If we were called to the field of life, what team level would we be drafted in? Are we ready, mature enough to handle the responsibilities that come from the big time? To work together in unity and in love with humility. Ready to use our talents. A quarterback is normally chosen because he's good at what? Throwing the ball. Linebacker is normally chosen because he's good at what? Blocking people. Receivers, they're normally good at what? Catching. What about running backs? Running. So they're really good at other things. Now, linebackers are known for being big people, right? And sometimes they can cross over, but would you necessarily want a, a running back to be your running back? Or even the quarterback? What if they couldn't even throw a ball? Are you going to just put them in that position? That's not going to be a good team, right? It's a matter of recognizing our talents and matching those talents with what we can do. Displaying the attitudes necessary. Holding fast to the principles we know that God has called us to, and utilizing our gifts, living our lives worthy of the calling in which we have been called to.
and working together. Look at verse 15 and 16 again. It says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Who's the head again? Christ. Into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So who are the joints? Who's the body? We are. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow. We're growing in what? Maturity, right? So that it builds itself up in, what are we building ourselves up in? Love. We're looking at love and unity this month. And we'll spend some time breaking it down, looking at God's love, looking at how that love is supposed to play out in our lives, but it's essentially important for us to realize that being able to love one another, being able to love God, is part of a mature Christian life. Being able to love one another comes from recognizing that we are all parts of one body and none of us are more important or more special than the next. Because when we can recognize that and start treating each other as we would have them to treat us, treating each other, loving them as God has called us to, then loving each other is going to become a little easier. And when we can love our brother as ourselves, our walk with God grows. And when we grow stronger in our relationship with God, loving him, and living our lives for him. No matter what life throws at us. Becomes a little easier. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying life is going to get easier. What I'm saying is that learning that God will always be there. And learning to rely on him. And to love him. To see you through. And to love others. will become easier to do no matter what comes your way. And it's going to get hard sometimes. But as mature Christians, we will recognize it and have the tools and the friends in the body to help us overcome it. And so we're going to take some time in prayer, asking that you take this time And think about what team are you ready for? What level of maturity? If you were to get called up, do you think you'd be ready to handle the big leagues? Or do you still have some growing to do? We say a verse all the time from Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We were looking at it this past week. And I had never really paid attention to the context around that scripture. How many of you guys have? Right? It was very interesting to me to think about it. 
Paul's writing to the church in Philippians. And he's saying, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you, at last, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether living in plenty or in want, hungry or well-fed, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We think of that verse, that last part, and we don't really think how deep it is. But no matter what life is going to throw at us, let us grow in maturity and in love so that we can express it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for everything today. for your love, for your word, for all that you give us. Help us to grow, to grow in you and to grow together into one body that works well with one another. Recognizing that we are all essential parts, important parts, but that none are more important than the other, to be considered higher than the other, that we are all your children whom you love, and be with us as we go forth. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.